You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, happy Saturday, and welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. We're trying to put a bow on what's been an absolutely crazy week in Kansas City for this Chiefs team as they ship wide receiver Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins. At the time, the trade seemed shocking, but it was apparently in the works for quite some time. So we've got a ton to get you caught up on today. A lot of Arrowhead Pride podcasts from the past week. We're going to start off with the Arrowhead Pride draft room. They were recapping the Chiefs free agency period. This is all before the Tyreek Hill trade, mind you. Then that's going to be followed up by the Arrowhead Pride editor show as they discuss the signing of Juju Smith-Schuster after he had his first Chiefs press conference. That's going to be followed up by Chiefs Coast to Coast with Aaron Ladd and Mark Gunnels. They went through some Juju Smith-Schuster over-unders as he heads into his first season with the Kansas City Chiefs. After that, we're going to take a quick timeout, and then when we get back, the Tyreek Hill Emergency Podcast as soon as the trade to the Miami Dolphins became official. That's going to be followed up by Show and BK making an early offseason return to discuss the Tyreek Hill trade and this team's future. Then we'll finish things up with Draft Talk, Matt Stagner, Ron Kopp, out of structure special edition this week to put a bow on the Tyreek Hill trade and discuss the new signing in Marquez Valdez Scantling. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. And it was a little bit up and down. I'm sure any fan who's been following the team closely knows that there were moments when it felt a little bit um, out of control and it felt like they didn't necessarily have a plan in mind. And then now as we sit here towards the end of the week, things look a little bit better. But um, first, our main host, our primary host, Ron Kopp, He is not in for this first part of the podcast, but he will be for the latter part and some other conversations. And so at this time, I'm Brian Stewart. Um, I'm going to be talking with my guy, Talon Graff, just going over some of our initial thoughts about the free agency period and how it's gone so far. So uh, Talon, I'm going to pass it off to you right now and and just check in on how how it's been and your broad scope, your 30,000-foot view of the week that was in free agency for the Chiefs. Yeah, I think it went a lot slower than uh, people would have liked or anticipated even. Um, the Justin Reed signing happened fairly quickly, and, and that was a pretty, you know, I'd say I didn't expect it. It was kind of out of the blue, uh, from my opinion. Um, didn't really see Reed as being a, a guy that they would go after. But, you know, after after it happened and doing the study and doing the due diligence, man, yeah, I think it's a good fit. Um, I really liked the Justin Reed signing. And then as the days went on, we saw all these AFC West moves, the trades were happening and in the signings and, you know, Chandler Jones, and then they trade 
um, trade away Ngakwe and get Rocky Sin, and you know they they trade for Devonte Adams. The Raiders are making moves. It seems like everybody's making moves, but the Chiefs. Um, but you know, I, I think the moves that the Chiefs have made at this point. You know, we can we're, we're about to go you know through the rundown now. Um, I think they're good. I think they're smart. I think they're wise. I think they're they're exactly what the Chiefs needed to do. And it's not like Beach had you know, an open vault to just shell out a bunch of money to, to these big name guys. He had to be methodical because uh, he has guys that they have to keep in house. He has, you know, they have positions, a lot of positions that they need to fill. So he couldn't have tossed the cash at one position. So all in all, after the slow start, I think the Chiefs are in a good spot right now. Yeah. What you say there, I feel like they took a very diligent, you know, approach to free agency and they, they weren't going to just panic and make reactionary moves. I don't think they've made a move yet that felt reactionary to all the stuff that's going on around the, the AFC West and the conference in general. We saw Buffalo and what they did with Von Miller. Um, but I, I think that you got to appreciate that a little bit. As hard as it is for fans to see that action going on, you have to take a step back and, and realize that the Chiefs are operating on a plan that is going to set them up better, hopefully, in the next three to four years. And to me, it seems that especially with AFC West, they're making a lot of moves that are going to help them in 2022. But after that, these moves could almost, you know, backfire a little bit and set them up cap wise or, you know, development wise with their young players in a way that doesn't really help them and the two, three, four year plans. So that's something we'll see how it plays out. Of course, we, we want to win in 2022. This team's ready to go, but I think that'll be a, a fascinating watch. But as you said, we are going to go through each player, and um, we're going to start with the first guy, the first guy that was off the board, the player who, you know, some might say is is kind of stepping into what the role that Tyron Matthew uh, previously occupied as, as the Chiefs' safety. And so that's Justin Reed, Texans. Um, that's who he spent his first four years with. Uh, pretty highly touted draft prospect. And, you know, I I wasn't writing about the draft at the time, but I did like from afar kind of the prospect that he was. And so um, I'll just throw it to you first, Talon. Your, you know, broad thoughts about the signing and maybe where you think he fits in. Do you think that it was at a good, appropriate value? And maybe where you see uh, the types of things you see him doing in this Chiefs defense 2022 and beyond. Yeah, and I think – when we look back at the season, how it progressed, when Tyron Matthew did go down and his his play, I think you could argue, was not at the level that it's been in the past anyway. But when his absence was there, you could argue that the team looked completely different than than if anybody else were gone. It, it looked more different than when Chris Jones was gone, in my opinion. So when you see that as GM, I think Brett Veach saw that and saw we we need to address safety. I, I don't want a rookie back there. I know there's a lot of guys we've talked about it, Brisker Hill, um, you know, guys like that scene, but, but I think he wanted a guy that that's, that's experienced young. I, when you look at these signs, all these guys are around the same age. Um, you know, Justin Reed's about 25 years old. He has starting experience. He's kind of been in no man's land and purgatory um, during that Houston crumble. He was just there at the very tail end of like that good Texans defense with Merciless and Watt and and uh, and and I forget who the D tackle was, but they they had a few. But anyway, um, so I think a lot of negative connotations come from that when you think of oh he played for Houston they were terrible. Well, when you cut the film on, he wasn't terrible. He made plays. He's he's an athlete who has good range. Uh, he, he's not going to do 
what Tyron Hill did, or I'm sorry, Tyron Matthew did at his all pro level. It's just not going to happen. All pros are few and far right. between, but what Justin Reed is going to do is he's going to provide someone who's younger, a little bit, you know, faster than what Tyron probably was at, at this latter age. And it's not going to be that big of a drop-off. There's going to be a drop-off from what we're used to seeing Tyron. That's just, that's going to happen with how good he was. But I don't think it's going to be that big of a downhill slope for where, you know, we think, God, I miss Tyron. I think Justin Reed is going to be very, very good in this defense. About that drop-off thing, I, I say you're probably right, especially if we're talking about 2019 Tyron Matthew. Um, I mean, that was an all-pro player. He was doing things that, and if we just – I don't want to sidetrack too far, but I think Steve Spagnuolo did such a good job of letting him be him, and it might be part of the reason why he's not signed yet with another team because I think if you don't let Tyron be the instinctive kind of free-ranging type player that he's meant to be, well, you, we kind of saw in Houston in the latter part of his Arizona tenure, that doesn't really work out the best. His size and athleticism – it's not somebody you want to put in that small box and say, you've got to just do this. You got to let him play, uh, use his, his mental capacity to make plays. And, and they did that. And so I do think it'll be a step back from that. But as you said at the beginning, 2021 Tyron, um, I could see a, definitely a scenario where Eric Reed has a better year in 2022 as, as Tyron did last year. And uh, I, I wouldn't call it a tinfoil hat theory, but I do think that, it's fascinating to see what they're doing with these safeties. I wonder a little bit if they are saying we have the AFC with Justin Herbert, who can make amazing throws downfield. Russell Wilson now, same thing. Uh, Josh Allen, Je uh, Joe Burrow. Okay. These are the types of quarterbacks you're going to be seeing in the playoffs and in big regular season games. Maybe the thought is we're going to bring in Eric Reed, who's rangy, maybe a little bit better in the deep end of the field than Tyron was. Juan Thornhill, that's kind of his, his best traits, I would say, is his ability to cover downfield. And, and having two of those guys might make this defense a lot better when it comes to keeping a lid on things and making sure that they're not getting beat for massive gains uh, over the top. That's something I'm excited to kind of see if, if that is how it plays out, if that's what they're deciding to do, or, or maybe they're just wanting two safeties who are kind of similar in what they do so they can be a little more uh, versatile and unpredictable with positioning and that sort of thing. But nonetheless, I think it's a good deal and one that at 25 years old, he is going to outplay. We're not going to look back and say, oh, we paid Justin Reed too much. We're probably going to look back and say that he outplayed um, his previous salary. So wrapping up on that one, now we go to the big signing from Friday. Um, and when, when we've talked about a little bit on this podcast, or the possibility of, I should say, and that's Juju Smith-Schuster, the wide receiver out of Pittsburgh. Um, man, I'm going to let you run with it at first talent here, but uh, this is one I think that I, I haven't seen very many Chiefs fans have any sort of opposition towards, and understandably so. Yeah, I think this has uh, been on the, a lot of Chiefs fans' wish list for almost over a year now. Uh, a lot of people thought it was going to happen last year, this this move. But, you know, um, Juju was loyal almost to a fault. Um, and you got to you got to commend the guy for that. Right. I mean, when you the, so many clips have, have been popping up about when he took out Fontes perfect after his dirty cheap shot on Antonio Brown. And I'm not advocating for that kind of football play on the field, but 
but it tells you kind of about what who he is. Like he he has his guys' back. Whoever he's in the corner of, that they're they're going to be protected by him, and he's going to go go fight for them. And that's dude, that locker room presence. When you feel like the guy next to you is like you don't have any second thought of, of, of you know who's he swinging at? Is he going to be swinging full force? When you don't have to worry about that, and you can focus one hundred percent on the guy across from you, dude. That that speaks so much. I'm not going to say it's it's more valuable than what you're going to put on the field, but man, it's it's almost just as important in a lot of scenarios. And when you're looking at a guy like Juju Smith Schuster, when you're you're coming in to not be that number one guy, um, you want to look for him to, to to fill a lot of different roles, right? You kind of look for him to where can he fit in, where can he add value, because um, it's not going to always be targets or yards or, or, or stats. How is he in the locker room? What's he going to be like with, with his teammates? Is he going to be off the field? Is he going to be hanging around with the guys? Is he going to be a groomsman at somebody's wedding? And I feel like that's a Juju Smith-Schuster. That's someone that the Chiefs are bringing in. And, you know, depending on how this one year goes, I I don't mind if, if this is a guy that they lock in long-term, um, depending on how this year goes. But I, I love his character. I love, you know, I know he's getting some flack for what he does on social media, but um, – you know, I, I love the signing. There's not much to dislike about this. And I, I'm really excited to see what he's going to do with this offense on the field and in the locker room. We'll go to Justin Reed press takeaways after this. I have a reverse here, but let's start with Juju Smith-Schuster because this is the biggest news uh, of the past week. The Chiefs agreeing to a one-year deal. And I think the biggest thing about this is securing this player, John, but securing this player for the amount of cap they did. Yeah, um, I, I wrote about this yesterday, and it's it's um, kind of interesting. Last year, the several teams gave what amounted to pretty similar amounts of total total money to uh, Smith Schuster made offers that were about the same, and he stayed with Pittsburgh. And everybody assumed it was because he wanted to play with Roethlisberger again, or that uh, he didn't think he gave enough targets with the Chiefs uh, in order to get a big free agency payday this year. And then it turns out that the Steelers were just offering the whole thing as guaranteed money. They gave him a, right. an NFL minimum salary and a $7 million signing bonus. And uh, so really it ended up being about money. And yet this year, after a season where he only had played in five games for the Steelers in the regular season, plus the their loss to the Chiefs in the wild card round, um, he's not in as strong a position. And the Chiefs were able to get him for just $2.9 million against the cap this year. And then the rest of the um, $10.7 million in the total contract is in incentives that, if earned, won't count against the cap until next year when there should be more cap to work with. So a pretty pretty sharp deal that uh, Brett Veach made here to get Schuster, who he wanted to get a year ago. Yeah, and you know we talked about the AFC title game. It's such a, a game of inches to overuse that cliche, but you have Smith Schuster on the team, and he's healthy. Say he doesn't have that injury because it's a completely different scenario with that mm-hmm. he had with the Steelers. Who knows how it's a little different? I think we've made the point here that if the Chiefs would have acquired Odell Beckham Jr., um, who ended up going to the LA Rams, I. I think that might tip the scale in their favor. And I think Smith Schuster could have had a, a similar impact. I think that because of the cap committed to Smith Schuster here, I I'm going to grade this deal in a now, if they had given him 10 million guaranteed, I think you get into the B's, but mm, the, yeah. the idea that you snuck this player in while you're still needing to figure out deals with 
Orlando Brown Jr. and Tyree Kill makes the value here just uh, incredible. If he doesn't reach these incentives, you're only committing two million. And I think the upside is a a third one thousand yard pass catcher. That's actually the poll of the day, which we'll hit at the end of the show. But uh, I I think that's the that's the the ceiling. That's a, that's an extremely low risk, high ceiling. Yeah, a reward. And I, I think kudos for Brett Veach for identifying that Juju wanted to bet on himself. Uh, John, what do you grade this signing? Uh, I'm, you know, I, I really want to give it an A. I, I want to be a hard grader on this stuff. So I'm kind of reluctant to hand out A's, but this is coming really close in my mind. He should fit really well in the Chiefs offense. Uh, as you noted, a real high ceiling, low risk uh, move that Veach has made here. So I, I think I got to give it an A. I got to I got to do it. I got to agree with you on this one. Now, I know that Smith Schuster wanted to play more outside receiver in the Steelers system and they liked him in the slot. I think the Chiefs have been looking for that X receiver replacing Watkins now for uh, an entire year. And I think that that's what they see in Juju Smith-Schuster. And in the Andy Reid system, you're playing all over the place. I mean, that that's the beauty of it, where you're learning each and every position. So really eager to see how they use him. I think the idea of having Tyreek, McColl, and Juju, and Travis Kelsey, and Clyde on the field at the same time, I don't know why they haven't signed McKinnon yet. I would like to see him. Uh, back but just the idea of all these weapons for Patrick Mahomes I think it's you know you're revamping here and and now the only real gaping hole seems to be right tackle which you know we'll get to uh, in a second here but I I love the Juju Smith-Schuster signing and one of the things I noticed in the press conference his attitude seems a little bit more determined and serious and he was asked about the tiktoks as you probably heard on <laughs> from the podium here on the airhead pride podcast network and really did not want anything to do with discussing that and i think that's mm-hmm. exactly the attitude that you want he doesn't want to be a distraction and another point of this and, and again that's why i'm i'm so high on it sorry john i'm grading it an a is because you just <laughs> locked his player into this contract year uh, where you know that the salary cap is going to balloon next offseason. So there is just ultimate motivation for you know, Juju, to, A, to turn the page from what was a five-game, 100-yard season and to turn it into what what I would think he's looking for, a multi-year, really, really lucrative contract. Yeah, I think for the Chiefs to have signed him to this, those incentives are probably pretty low. They could mm-hmm. get away with really small ones. <laughs> but right. on the other hand, the Chiefs, uh, you know, they also want to avoid um, paying him a lot of money unless he gives them a big year. So, you know, there's there's pressure pushing both ways there. Um, but, it, you know, I, 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 it's pretty clear that Juju is betting on himself here. Um, otherwise, you wouldn't sign a deal like that. And, uh, and I think he also may have realized he might have made a mistake by not coming to Kansas City. And staying with Pittsburgh, where, you know, not only did he get hurt, which, you know, doesn't really have anything to do with the team, but um, I think he thought he was going to get more opportunities to uh, have a big season with Ben Roethlisberger. And Roethlisberger just wasn't the guy who could uh, give that kind of performance last year. And I think what he's looking for here is to show what he can do with a really good quarterback. So there's a lot, lot of incentive here for him to perform this year. Uh, we're getting more of those. Juju Smith-Schuster obviously had his 
uh, introductory press conference with KC as well, but um, it's a one-year deal uh, around Three million, three point two million um, is is the cap number, with incentives that could bring it up to ten point two five. Uh, I believe there's an AFC Championship incentive in there, and and a lot of uh, statistic based incentives as well. Regardless of the fact, you bring a guy who who we know is talented, big body receiver, got injured last year, but at his peak, the twenty eighteen year, uh, this is a fourteen hundred <laughs> fourteen hundred yard guy. Um, what's your just initial reaction to having having a new number nine? Because I think he's number nine now. Yeah, number nine, number nine. So, yeah, my initial reaction was relief, to be honest with you. Uh, obviously, he's been a guy that the Chiefs have been linked to since last year. He decided to go back and run it back one last time with Big Ben. And, you know, I was thinking, you can't say no to Patrick Mahomes twice, right? Like... <laughs> Like, how would that look? Like, I said no to the best quarterback in the world two years in a row. Two years in a row. So he couldn't do that, man. He couldn't do that. And how about the deal you got him at? I mean, what a bargain. And this is the ultimate betting on myself situation, which plays perfectly for the Chiefs, obviously, because you should get the best Juju Smith-Schuster. And speaking of the best Juju Smith-Schuster, you mentioned that year in 2018, 1,400 yards, over 100 catches, seven touchdowns. The one thing that's very similar from that year to now is he had a legit number one opposite of him. Obviously, Antonio Brown back then. And now you have Tyreek Hill plus Travis Kelsey to take attention away from him. And he's only 25 years old. Yeah, you touched on a few things there that I really like. Uh, the number has got to be what you overall love about this move. This is a guy that Andy Reid was texting pictures of the Lombardi Trophy to last offseason. He decides to run it back one more time with Big Ben. Um, whether he regrets that decision or not, I know that was something that came up in the, in the introductory press conference. He's here in KC. The number's right. And, and it's a prove-it type deal. He even kind of talked and touched on that a little bit. Um, when talking with reporters that he felt like KC was a place where he could shine, he could prove to potential suitors what he can do, and, and this could also be a long-term destination for him as well. Uh, it, 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 we talked about this forever, man. Why receiver two? Is this a guy that you're expecting to immediately come in and, and fill that void, immediately come in and, and command that type of attention, or is he just another – uh toy in the offense no he definitely fills that void I mean like I mentioned we saw what this guy can do when he's next to a number one when he had Antonio Brown now you have Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey to take away attention from you and he's a guy that can beat man-to-man coverage he's very physical he's strong he has strong hands he's not the fastest guy in the world but with his physicality he's capable of beating jam coverage is right and also when he gets the ball in his hands he's a guy that has pretty good yak especially for a guy that's not that fast because he just has a way of finding the weak spots in the defense especially in the zones like I say he's a very physical runner so when he has the balls in his hands he's kind of like a running back you know he'll still form a guy I mean he's not scared of contact which could be a good thing or a bad thing depending on 
you know, the situation. You know, he got hurt last year, obviously. But he's a very, very physical runner when he has the ball in his hands. And one thing people aren't really mentioning, he's also one of the best blocking receivers in the league. So when you have the running game or you do those jet sweeps and motions with McCole Hartman on the outside, Juju's a guy that you can run behind because he's not scared of contact. Absolutely. You mentioned he was hurt last year, so let's throw that one out. Looking at the 2020 numbers, 128 targets, 97 catches, uh, 831 yards, and nine touchdowns. I I, I kind of – you mentioned him being a big body. I, I kind of want to see the Chiefs use him in a similar fashion as McCole Hardman. I think it would be beneficial to get Juju Smith-Schuster the ball as quickly as possible and let him get into space. You touched on his his yards after catch ability. Uh, this is a guy that I feel like could play in that wrinkle, could play in that role. We're ta- we, we've seen uh, the Chiefs' propensity to have bubble screens and, and get wide receivers out in space. And uh, We know Andy Reid's propensity to use his running backs in that space. I think Juju Smith-Schuster fits right into that role. Uh, obviously, you need a guy to stay healthy this year, and, and it's a, it's advantageous for Juju as well to stay healthy with the with the incentives. That's probably the one thing that gives me pause about this whole thing before immediately hitting the wide receiver two button that you've been clutching for the last year. Uh, I, I need this guy to be healthy on the field uh, in order to really produce. Yeah, hundred percent. I think last year that injury was kind of one of those freak injuries. You know, it didn't happen to his leg or. You know, things like nothing like that, obviously. It was one of those just, you know, unfortunate situations. But I think he should be fine. Um, and like like I said before, too, I think people don't realize. And it feels like he's been around a lot longer than he really has. He's only 25 years old. Like, he's barely older than McCole Hardman. But it feels like McCole Hardman is still like this young guy trying to figure things out. Where we look at Juju as kind of this seasoned veteran when that's really – not the case at all and like you said about getting the ball to him quick I totally agree with that and he's already been used to that the last couple years because Big Ben can't throw the ball past (laughs) 10 yards so he's had no choice but to get the ball quick you know bubble screens and little quick slants and stuff like that because Big Ben simply wasn't capable of pushing the ball down the field so I think you will see a lot of that but also I think Juju's also excited to get some down the field shots things in the seams because like I said he should have a lot of one-on-one coverage and have a lot of openings especially against zone coverage talking Juju Smith-Schuster here on, on Coast to Coast I, I think the price tag is one where it also convinces me maybe they're not done yet at the position uh, I, w- I wouldn't be shocked if they added an- if they added another one just for depth Juju's obviously a good piece but but the number there makes me seem like they're not done a quick over under on Juju um, we're, we're doing targets catches, receiving yards, and touchdowns for him in his first year with the Chiefs. We'll start with targets. My question to you, Mark Gunnell, 75 targets over under. I'm going to go over. I'll go over there. I think he'll get – I think he'll go over that as well, uh, a lot of attention. And uh, if he is in the slot, there will be opportunities to pay off. 65 catches over under. Oh, I'm, I'm slamming the over here. I'm slamming it. Are we are we betting the house here or what you Yeah, think? this is what this is. I'm I want to wait till you give me the other numbers first, because I might like one of those more. So I don't want to say bet the house yet, but yeah, I'm slamming the over on that. Obviously, hurt last year, 15 catches, 2020, 97, 
2019, 42, and then the big breakout year in 2018, 111 catches. Uh, let's go to receiving yards now, 650 over under. Okay, this is bet the house. This is definitely bet the house. <laughs> bet the house over? Yeah, yeah, 650, that's it? Is he a 1,000-yard receiver in your opinion? Would you, would you go that high? I mean, I'm not going to predict that, but I think he will flirt with it. Like, I think he's going to be over 900 yards. Like, I, I think he's going to be in that 800 to 950 area. Like, I feel comfortable in that range. This is where – Yeah, 650, you're, you're being very generous on that. I'm taking all your money there. Well, here's what I think. And we've always heard, like, oh, they need to replace somebody in the Sammy Watkins role. Sammy Watkins, Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins, I believe, his biggest year in KC was, was in the 700s. I mean, 650 would put you in that vein. And, and do you want a guy who's going to be big number uh, yards or, or more touchdowns? That's that's kind of where I went with the 650. I think you'd probably be closer to that than, than 1,000. Wow. Yeah, I, I don't know about that, man. I don't know about that. Then also you have to consider with Sammy Watkins – that year, he missed what three games, I believe. This is not this is not considering what they do in the postseason as well. Six fifty is the number we said over under for Juju Smith Schuster's receiving yard totals in his first year in KC. Let us know what you think here on Twitter Live. Last one for Mark Gunnels is uh, four and a half touchdowns over under Juju Smith Schuster. Are you setting these odds? I mean, I'm just, yo. Are you <laughs> the one? Are you the one that did this? Of course. That's that's easy over. That is easy. Four and a half? That's four, it? Four and a half is the number, sir. Yes. Over. Yes. Easy. That's easy. So you, you obviously are, are are looking pretty high at Mr. Juju Smith-Schuster. You, you heard him and what he talked about his press conference and being a prove-it year. What uh, Are you going all in? You, you bet in the house? I mean, yeah, I wish you were my bookie like 24-7. Like, I would be rich. <laughs> like, these odds are very, very generous. I'm letting you set the odds. Next, next signing, when Cole Beasley is headed into Arrowhead, <laughs> whoever is Like, there. I thought you were going to say six and a half for touchdowns. Four and a half? That's it? Six and a half, you're still going over? Now, that one's, that's close. That's close. I think I'll still slightly go over. I'm thinking seven. That's the number in my head. But, yeah, four and a half. Oh, my gosh. Definitely over. I forgot that you were Mr. Betting Extraordinaire. I'm going to you for all my lines from here on out. Yeah, hit me up, man. I got you, man. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm joined by our staff writer, Rocky Magana, our podcast producer, Steven Serta, our lead analyst, Ron Kopp. Ron, as 
uh, our lead analyst, I'll throw to you first. This is a shock to what is Chiefs Kingdom. How are you feeling? What was your first reaction when you first heard about this happening and now that it's done? My first reaction is that they are absolutely sacrificing the short term um, for long term benefit, apparently, because in my opinion, Tyree Kill, I, you made a great you had a great tweet, Pete. I called him the best receiver in the NFL. I, you know, I, I get there's more nuance to that, but there is no right. one like Tyree Kill in the NFL and the Chiefs. He fit perfectly in the offense and and he was he was he really kind of made the offense what it was. I mean, you look at the 2021 NFL season, he led he led the Chiefs in targets and catches for a reason. I mean, he was he was what Mahomes relied on. He was the short and the, the vertical stuff. I mean, he was he's really the entire offense, what he can do, no one else can replicate. And I I I would have been willing to to get him in, you know, in Kansas City for two, three, four years. I know they just they announced the contract was four years. Um I, I just am not for trading him. It's just I, I just can't find a, ju- a great justification for it. Well, Ron, what you were alluding to is, is the tweet. And, and this is what I said. So I think Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the NFL. But there are a lot of receivers like Devontae Adams. I don't know if I would put Tyree Kill as the number one receiver in the NFL, but he is certainly top five. And I just don't think there's anybody that can do what Tyree Kill can do when it comes from a speed standpoint and really running the offense through him. And that to me, I, I think is the biggest thing. When you look at the compensation here, the chiefs received a first round pick, a second round pick and a fourth rounder in 2022. I believe that gives them a total of 12 picks in this year's NFL draft, as well as a 2023 fourth rounder, and a sixth rounder in 2023. So five picks, and you no longer have that money on the books. John Dixon, our deputy editor, editor just entered, so I'm going to go to him because you've been working on the cap all offseason. Why do you think the Chiefs made this move when it comes to uh, the cap? Well, it's tw- there's 22 million re- uh, reasons to make this deal. $22 million in cap space uh, gives the Chiefs a lot of options. Now, it would have been nice maybe if they'd had this money a week ago before the first round of free agency, but uh, most of the players who went in the first round of free agency, the early picks, were older players the Chiefs might not have wanted to, to get anyway. I would argue at this point they could do more with 20, $22 million uh, paid to a bunch of uh, players that need less money uh, to come to the Chiefs and they could by spending this money on one deal for a for a big player who might be 29 or 30 years old. So uh, that's going to be part of it as well. I personally feel like uh, those that those two picks next to each other in the first round are going to go to some other team, and the Chiefs are going to be uh, down there in the early part of the round uh, and get a, a big player in the draft. I think what is a big part of this because we're already seeing the Dolphin money come through. Uh, mm-hmm. is that he ended up getting what appears to be a a three-year uh, $75 million extension as part of the trade, and he has more guaranteed money than Devontae Adams got. And the initial number from what I can see, and Adam Schefter has it here, is a four-year $120 million extension, and that includes $72.2 million guaranteed. So he's getting more average per year and more guaranteed. And for what it's worth – Tyreek's representation probably identified that he could get that eye-popping number and was not going to settle for anything less. If we're going to be fair here, we also have to say that organizations can cut players at any time, and we never really think about it twice. And this is a player who 
he's sacrificing a little bit of legacy here. You're going to play with Tua mm-hmm. and, and not Patrick Mahomes, but that's your right. You should know your worth and his worth, obviously, because someone was willing to give it to him was $30 million per year. Steve, uh, I'll go to you. Now you've been following this all morning. We thought it was going to be a quieter morning uh, here at <laughs> arrowheadpride.com uh, and, and quite the opposite. What's been your reaction to all the news? I'm just wondering at what point this offseason the Chiefs decided, okay, it's not just straight up retooling and going on another run. Because a, a move like this, that's what it says to me is, okay, with the AFC West being so stacked, all these teams going all in because they know they have to beat us every year and they have to beat Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. I think there was a turning point in this NFL offseason where they were like, we can't put it all together this season the way we have the last couple of years where we went right. out and we totally rebuilt the defense. We went out and we totally rebuilt the offensive line. And they knew this was going to be a a huge offseason of change for them, the biggest that they've had in the last few years, even after they rebuilt those, because they had so many holes who were going to hit the market and, and leave this roster. And so this to me feels like, you know, Tyreek Hill, highest paid wide receiver in the NFL now by whichever metric you look at after signing this extension, I would have to imagine the Chiefs were willing to go over 20 million per year or whatever the number was for them. Yeah. But once Devontae Adams got paid and he saw how much money Devontae Adams got, right. those conversations probably changed. And the Kansas City Chiefs just said, it's time for us to retool for the future and see what we can get for one of the three best wide receivers in the NFL. Two points off of that. And it also stems into what John was talking about a little bit. The Chiefs wanted to retain Tyree Kill. They wanted to. Yes. They were yeah. working on a deal with him. Those talks were real. They were giving him a lot of money to continue playing with the best quarterback in the NFL. And it simply came down to what I think, in my opinion, was money, which, again, can't really necessarily blame him for that. That's his right. And just it, it, the legacy was not worth giving up what would have been X amount of money to continue playing with probably the perfect match for you at quarterback. This is something that we've said for years now that Patrick Mahomes and Tyree kill are the perfect match. When you match the arm strength and the downfield accuracy and what can, what Hill can do downfield. I mean, he's going to play with Tua Tua. the whole thing that, that it's is going on with Tua is he doesn't have the arm strength to hit a player like Hill. You're sacrificing yardage. You, you know, you're sacrificing something, but the money was worth it to him. And now he it appears to be the, the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. Rocky, I'll go to you now. And as we're shifting gears here a little bit, we have an aftermath here. The number one wide receiver on the Chiefs is Juju Smith-Schuster, <laughs> right? It, that's where we're at right now. So where do you think this leaves the Chiefs when it comes to um, 2022, how are you feeling about this team and its chances, especially in a, a reloaded AFC West? Well, I mean, there's no doubt about it. Sitting at where we're at right now, the Chiefs passing attack is worse than it was an hour ago. I mean, that's just a simple fact. Um, I think that this is the best possible news for Juju Smith-Schuster on a one-year contract mm-hmm. coming to the Chiefs. I mean, he automatically becomes – I think probably a top 10 fantasy wide receiver next, you know, as things sit right now um, with this sort of draft capital though, you, you have to think that Brett Veach has, you know, a plan B in mind. Plan A was probably retaining Tyreek Hill, but the money just yeah. made that 
impossible. So I think, I think now plan B is probably going after a wide receiver very high in the draft, possibly a, a Jameson Williams from Alabama or a Garrett Wilson out of Ohio state. And he probably has his sights set on a player like that to replace him. What has been interesting about this, and you saw right away the connection between former Packers wide receiver Marquez Valdez-Scantling and the Chiefs. Ron, I'll go back to you as our lead film analyst. Um, Not to put this uh, too amusingly and and lightly, but that doesn't feel like an exact comp. What do you think think they were going for there in in trying to connect MVS as part of the Chiefs with Hill going to Miami? I mean, MVS, what he does bring you is he's a vertical threat. He, he can get, he has long speed. He can beat, you know, people down the field, win vertically. You know, he has the big body to, to win, you know, on catches down the field. But that's not all what Tyreek did. So I don't know why that was the, the natural comp. I mean, we obviously have seen Tyreek evolve as a receiver. He used to right. kind of just be a gadget guy. But man, now he, he, he's, he's elite at every level of the field, whether he's catching it behind the line of scrimmage, 10 yards down the field, or 30 yards downfield. I mean, Tyree Kill was 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 an all-around great receiver. You know, he still is, obviously. And MVS is more of just a specialized deep threat. I, I wouldn't be very excited about that move, honestly. I think what you get from MVS, you could get a lot of from McColl in a certain role. And But here's the whole thing, and, I, and, and we talk about Juju, too, getting signed. You know, it was exciting. I, I was really excited about the Juju signing, but that's if he's a wide receiver, too. If he is your primary number one wide receiver, it's not as exciting. It's not as we've, we've seen already seen that hasn't worked. It, right, Ron? Yes, exactly. No, that's that's the thing. I mean, that's why it was so exciting for Juju to be the wide receiver two here, because that's where he fits. I think that's his role, what it should be in the NFL. So all that to say, the Chiefs are putting themselves in a really hard position to to have a legitimate, a really good receiving core next year. Yeah, maybe in a few years they'll they'll you know they'll have some draft picks and it'll all come together, but they won't have one of the best receiving cores in the NFL anymore, even if you're including Travis Kelsey, in my opinion. Because after Juju and Travis Kelsey, it, it, you know, it drops off quite a bit. And, and we'll see what they do in the draft. It'll be important. Uh, that's, a, that's a take I'm not hearing a lot of. Uh, I, I do – I don't know. I do think the, the, the Adams thing changed something. Maybe he didn't – it is just hard for me to think, man, dog, I want to I wanna ride down here with Tua, man. That's, that's, that's where I want to live man. my life, man. That's where I want to solidify things here is out here with Tua's ass. Like I, I, it is hard for me to believe that he went there. I, I don't know. I, I do think the Adams deal did change, change some things. He saw some numbers and maybe hit a number that the Chiefs were like, "Man, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not rocking to this. I'm not rocking to this." There seemed to be a deal of I want to be the highest paid guy, uh, receiver, non, non quarterback. I want, I want to be that dude. I want to set the market. My man said I watched Deshaun Watson just get two thirty guaranteed while having twenty two lawsuits out hell my my problems with 14 was 2014 i can go and get everything i want now i can go do everything that i can i i just cannot believe i don't know how else to say it i can't believe tyrese is stupid i can't believe that he is so much to a point of living like all right man i'm like i'm so down with this i'm gonna go down here with this organization and this quarterback to roll down here I know Miami's a beautiful place, but damn it, he can live there most of the year outside of being in Kansas City and leaving, you know, leaving the best quarterback potentially in the game in in Patrick Mahomes to go to Tua. So I just, I, I don't know, man. I do feel like it was a money play, and the Adams and the Adams deal 
kind of gave him a number where he wanted to go above and and set the market. I just boy, I I just can't believe he huh. wanted out of playing so, with the Chiefs. I agree with both of you guys and in, in different ways. Like I, I do think that the Devontae Adams deal changed something here, something in this negotiation process. I think some of it might have been you know, Tyreek Hill looking at his career and the fact that his off the field issues made him fall to the fifth round. So, okay, you're already not a high end draft pick. So you didn't get a high end contract your first few years in the NFL. Then his other issues led to the, the chiefs essentially getting a discount on his second deal, which still a sizable contract, still a lot of money, just not the kind of money that they were supposed to be that you're supposed to get when you're Tyree kill, when you're that caliber of player, but the chiefs have gotten deals on Mahomes and Kelsey. So you thought that was just kind of a part of the process. Like you're taking less money to be a part of this winning culture, to win rings with Patrick Mahomes. But Tyreek Hill might be saying like, well, this might be the last big deal. And so I didn't get that money out of the gate. Now I want it on the back end. So I think it might have changed something there, but then when you look at the contract, I also agree with BK. It's that fourth year. He might wind up playing four years in Miami, but that fourth year is not real. Like that's going to be, if he winds up playing four years there, it's going to be converted somehow. They're going to change that up. They're going to restructure it. He's not going to get that fourth year of that contract. And so it's basically a three-year deal. And when you break down the numbers, it sounds like the Chiefs were basically willing to offer him that. So now I'm back at the conclusion that, okay, he wanted the money and he wanted to live in Miami. And he said that I would prefer that over winning because I've already done my winning now. Also, part of what's gone wrong here is the reporting on the Devontae Adams deal. What's been reported is not real. He got a three-year, $67 million deal from the Raiders. That's what he got. It's $22.5 million on a per-year basis. The Chiefs were offering that. The, every report that you had seen was that the Chiefs basically offered him a four-year deal worth $21.5 million per year. Guarantee, when they saw that deal from Devontae Adams, they were willing to go up a, a, an extra million dollars. I don't have that on reporting, but I can promise you that that would have happened on the Chiefs' end. I just don't know what happened that led to this. If he just wanted a funny money year on the back end of the deal to say, hey, I'm the highest paid player in the history of the sport, like the Chiefs could have put $100 million into that final year. He ain't never going to see it, but he can pretend like he's going to get it. And then to your point, sort of him just wanting to be the highest paid player, I, I think part of this is just you've got to have some self-awareness, man. Like if that's what you wanted and you wanted that back in, what was it, 2019 when he got his last deal? Like, you just got – it was bad timing. Like, 2019, the Chiefs draft plans changed because of the Tyreek Hill recording that came out. That was bad timing. 2021, they asked him to get a restructure. He says no. Why? Nobody really knows because it doesn't actually change anything in terms of the cash flow that comes into you. But he just – I don't want to do it. I don't want to take a restructure. That was weird. That last season prevented them from be, being able to make some other moves. And now this year, all off season, they've been handcuffed in what they've been able to do – because this negotiation has dragged out as long as it has. Like, listen, Tyreek Hill can go do whatever he wants to do. The NFL is becoming a little bit like the NBA, where the, the players have a ton of power and more power Absolutely. to them, man. They're the ones that are out there going out there, and they're balling out. And Tyreek Hill has been one of the best players in the NFL on a below-market value deal for six years for the Chiefs. God bless him. Good for you, man. Do your thing. If you wanted to be in Miami, Miami I got no qualms with it. 
I just have an issue with the way that some of this is being presented if that's really what was happening here. If what was happening here is Tyreek wanted to go make a bunch of money to play in a town that he wanted to live in, that's fine. But can we just be honest about what happened here? Because I haven't seen that coming up anywhere, and I think that's what happened, man. I I, I think there's a lot to this, man, and I think there may be a lot to to this in regards of everything that has come with Tyreek Hill. And I feel like there's there's two sides that I think feel are being a bit disrespected and think that the other side should should have a different thought to it. I think on the Chiefs' end, they're sitting there thinking, hey, man, we took a chance drafting your ass in the first place. And then we even paid you right after you had that recording that came out that made you look real bad, right? We even gave you a deal where you got big money off of it. And now Patrick Mahomes, and I'll get to where what's got to be in his head in a bit, but Patrick Mahomes, Chris Jones, uh, Tyreek or Travis Kelsey kind of all probably didn't get as much as they, they could have. And now we come to you here and we're dealing with you. And now like you, you want to, you, you want to just hit us over the head with it after we have sat here and given you a contract that really wouldn't have to, we didn't suspend you. We didn't do anything, you know, you know, to you. We just kept you on board and we were right behind you, support you the whole way. Even when it was a thought of maybe we need to, maybe we need to do something. And then on the other end, like you alluded to Tyreek Hill and his his point is saying the entire time y'all have had me, y'all have had a Pro Bowl to Hall of Fame level guy and y'all ain't never had to pay me what I'm worth. Y'all ain't never had to come close to paying me what I'm worth. You got a bargain in the round you drafted me in and then because of everything that happened, you got a bargain and how you, you constructed the contract and you paid me and now I'm out of bargains. Like you gotta, you gotta hold me down. So I feel like it's it's both sides. So I think have maybe legit qualms and points sure. coming into this together that then has led to they can't get together. And I be, I bet you both sides are like, come on, man. Like after we didn't held you down, Tyreek. Like you can't, like you ain't gonna, like you ain't gonna work with us. And then Tyreek, like, hey, I've been giving y'all discounts since y'all got me, and y'all can't give me, you know, what I want. And I, I just, I think it's a, 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 an interesting thing. Whoever knew the reasoning for the trouble that Tyreek Hill had coming into the league would be like potentially the thing that has hurt him in this situation. And I just, I, I, I would not be surprised if the Chiefs felt like, I mean, y'all, you should be, you should be willing to work with us after everything we have done to help you and get you. You should be willing to work with us. And that and that's not that is not the climate that Tyreek Hill is in. No, you mentioned it. You know, the offense is gonna have to evolve without Tyreek. I mean, the having a Tyreek Hill type of player has made the offense what it has been um in the Mahomes era. You know, you, you just just in terms of having a player you can throw to five yards down the, the field and all of a sudden he's he's you know making two people miss and getting it twenty yards. Um you just you don't have players like that. And that's why they were so able to emphasize the RPO game because you know, if it's just if they can just get a little bit of leverage, you know, if the guy that's supposed to be covering Hill can just, you know, sneak in a little bit to defend the run just for a second. Hill has that little bit of step. It could turn into 15, 20 yards, that kind of thing. So they will have to evolve the offense. But 
I'm, I, I let you go first on the take because you know you're the sound, you're the voice of reason, you're the senior contributor. Um, I am not as as reasonable about this, and 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 maybe and maybe reasonable is not the right word because I do think there's there's plenty of reason to be upset with the Chiefs trading away Tyree Kill. I I I don't think I will ever truly accept that it was the right move, that it was you know uh, the move that had to happen, or that you know we should just be okay with the fact that the Chiefs don't have a guy that was on a pace that we've never seen, you know, we're, we're rare that we've, it's rarely been seen in NFL history, the pace he was on in terms of total touchdowns, you know, just yardage in general. And he's 28 years old. You know, he's not 30, 31, 32 years old. He will be at the end of a potential, this potential deal, but I still think Tyreek skills, he's, he's improved as an overall receiver. He's not just a speed guy anymore. I think he was worth whatever deal needed to happen. Now, that was my initial reaction, right? That the Chiefs kind of blew this. Oh, they needed to get this done. Well, I don't think it's that simple. And I think I think we all have kind of understood that by now. We've seen Tyreek's press conference in Miami. It, it was all about the money. And, and I think Tyreek's happy in Miami. And I, and I do think that has something to do with this in terms of, you know, I think Veach wanted to offer him. You know, Veach offered him what he did. There was a line that they didn't want to cross, in my opinion. If it was that, if it was, you know, two, three million or whatever, you know, if it's a, if it's a pretty thin margin, you got to get that done. But at the same time, maybe there was this where Hill was just a little more motivated to get out, um, you know, and kind of, you know, go play in a place like Miami. I don't know. It just does seem like Hill was maybe a little more motivated than we think to, you know, to, to maybe leave the situation, which is kind of crazy to say, but I don't know, Stags, I want your take on kind of just who is to maybe blame a little more for this? It, it, do we do we put a lot more blame on the Chiefs organization for not securing a player like him? Or do we kind of, you know, do you side with Tyreek on this? Or do you blame a little Tyreek for not? I don't know. What do you think? I'm, I'm rambling now. What do you think? No, it's tough because there's always two sides to this. And there's a lot that we won't know about how the negotiations went down. And we know who represents Tyreek Hill. And we know he has a certain right. reputation around the league, right? And he's he's known for getting his guys paid at all costs. And and I think – and he's come out. There's been a lot of Rosenhaus interviews in the last day uh, talking about what happened here. And I think they were determined to 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 break the market, to set the market, to be the – you know, uh, to be able to, to go out and show everybody that they had the, the top deal. And Rosenhaus explicitly said that. He said, we went to the Chiefs and we said – we want to beat the Devontae Adams deal by every metric, you know, and, and if there was a line somewhere that the organization wasn't going to cross and that's where Tyreek and his representation were, and they decided that he wasn't going to play under his old contract for another year. Then I don't blame yeah. the chiefs for getting what they can at, at that situation. A lot of people are saying, well, you should have locked him up sooner or you should have just kept him and made him play out on called his bluff and made him play out on that deal. But you know, it takes two to sign a contract and, and yep. there's no reason for a guy like Tyreek Hill to sign that contract um, yep. early. He wants to, you want to wait and maximize value. In fact, he probably would have had a lot of reasons to wait another year, you yep. know, to, to, uh, to hold out, to do whatever you have to do and get that when the cap goes up next year and, and capitalize on that. So there was no, I don't blame them for not signing him up until now. I don't blame them for getting what they could when they saw that he was out the door. I don't think Tyreek wanted to leave necessarily, but he wanted the money. 
He obviously wanted the money. He said that that's, that's what it was. Yeah. And when and when the team drew a line in the sand and said, "You're not going to, we're not going to do that," and they said, "You can go seek a trade." As soon as they said that, I think he immediately said Miami, and that's where he wanted to go. But I don't think he was trying to go to Miami before that point. That's just the way I, I perceive it. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's clear because I think if Veach really thought there was a possibility he had to trade. Tyreek, I would imagine maybe he wants to do that before free agency, but at the same time, you know, w- with the signings we've seen, does that, you know, do we know that that Tyreek, you know, saving that money would have really affected anything, you know, because the whole reason, and, and we talked about this in the AP Slack chat over and over, but the whole reason this offseason is is going this way is, is it appears that the Chiefs really want to get younger and cheaper. They really want to emphasize it. They're, they're not messing around in terms of, you know, we're not bringing a, a, a guy like Ty, Tyron Matthew back. You know, we're not going to sign. You know, they weren't in on any of the veteran edge rushers, even though it would have been really nice to get a guy like Chandler Jones or one of those guys. Um, so it is interesting. But, no, back to the Tyreek thing. You know, it, it does make me think that that the Chiefs are smart. They, they know they could probably tell whether they could probably get away with, hey, we're going we're gonna to call your bluff and make you play this year or whether that was, you know, whether how serious Tyreek was, I guess, about that. Tyreek must have made it pretty clear that it was just no way. Like he he's not gonna mess around. Like he wants to get paid. And so good for him if he if he's that, you know, if he wants to be, you know, if it's that important to him, which hey, that's fine. It's it's I, I don't blame you at all for getting as much as you can, obviously. I really don't. I would blame the Chiefs more for not getting you that bag. But, you know, at the same time, like you mentioned, Drew Rosenhaus, he's not dumb. He's not gonna he he knows what to do. He's not gonna sign that contract really. He'd be a bad agent if he did. So it kind of just did all fall into place a little, you know, in a, in a bad situation for the Chiefs a little bit. Um, you know, they don't want to get rid of him, but at the same time, if it all comes to this, they got a lot, a big haul back. So that's all you can ask for, and and they're doing their best to, uh, to you know, move on and, and get, you know, going past the Tyreek era. We, we kind of talked yeah. about it, but I think this is a good way to, you know, we've talked about the second phase of Mahomes' career maybe. Is, is that what we're entering, Sags? Do you think that is, that is what's happening here? <clears throat> yeah, I, I think they – had a plan in place and they knew that this was a possibility. And if this was the, if this was the way it was going to go, then they had X, Y, and Z that would come after it. And, and the fact that they didn't restructure Mahomes in retrospect could have had something to do with the fact that they, they thought it might go this direction and that they would be able to make the moves that they need to make once this trade happened, as opposed to once Mahomes's deal was restructured. So, Looking back, I don't think the, I don't think this happened in the course of a day. I don't think the Chiefs were yeah. surprised by it. I don't think they were caught off guard or, or whatever. I think that there was a plan in place, and now they executed. And and really, that's where this where the, this all comes down to. Now it doesn't matter who's to blame. It doesn't matter whether yeah. who won the trade or whatever. Now it matters: can they execute on Plan B? Can they execute? with the draft picks that they got, with the cap space they have, with the ability to restructure their roster in a way that is sustainable long-term and maybe not as top-heavy as they have been in the past. Maybe that's part of, the, part of their goals and it appears to be based on the free agent signings that they're making is they're, not, they're trying to avoid bad contracts with yep. old players that are not durable. You mentioned there that they don't want to give – you know, bad contracts out to older people, like, yeah, older players, like, yeah, that's, that's fair. And I do think you can make the argument that, you know, as good as Tyreek's been as, 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 as well as he's played through injuries, like he does suffer some injuries. He does do, you know, get banged up quite a bit. And, 
you know, as you get older, it's not going to be as easy to, to play through, obviously. And, and that hampers your speed. And that's obviously his biggest thing. So, you know, the Chiefs are probably being pretty proactive about it, but I'm not going to agree with it. I'm never going to, you know, the Marcus Peters trade was, was very hard. Like it, it's kind of a similar feeling, although I, I do, I did, I do, I did see the vision for why they traded Peters uh, more than here, in my opinion. Um, but it's just some of these trades, man, they just, they stick with you. And I don't think I'll ever get over this, but that is the thing. They did trade him away. It's over. We're moving on. And the way they moved on quickly here, and it actually, as soon as we started hearing about Tyreek Hill, we started hearing about this player. It came to fruition. They signed Marquez Valdez-Scantling, the former Green Bay Packers wide receiver, was the second or third receiver, depending on, you know, uh, Alan Lazard, um, you know, in Green Bay, along with Devontae Adams. But now he's in Kansas City on a three-year deal uh, for $30 million, which actually it's up to $36 million, depending on, you know, if that's the maximum of it. $18 million guaranteed. So actually, it basically turns into a, a two-year $18 million deal when it comes down to it. But Stags, now we're moving on, right? MVS, the first big signing. What was your first reaction to, to getting him in-house? So my first thought was, you're obviously not going to replace a guy like Tyreek Hill one-to-one. Tyreek Hill does so many different things on the football field that are unique. What's unique about him is that he can do all of those things. He he could be the best punt returner and kick returner in the league if he wanted to do that. Uh, he's he's the best uh, in that Debo Samuel type role, which he was hinting that he might get to do some of that in Miami. By the way, um, he's the best yak guy. He's the best deep threat. He's in and he's become a phenomenal route runner. So you're not going to be able to replace him one to one at this point. So what you what you try to do now is elevate the entire room. And you try to find a host of number, a host of guys that can do at least one of the things that he could do for you. So MVS is a guy that is a pure deep threat at this point in his career. He's tall, long, and, and extremely fast. His yards per catch uh, has been uh, amongst the best in the league. You know, he's had years of 20 yards a catch average, um, which we haven't seen since McColl's rookie year. And so this is a, a player that can take the top of the off the defense he can be that deep threat vertical threat um and maybe with his size can do a couple things that maybe weren't Tyree Hill's strength Tyree Hill to his credit for his size was phenomenal at jump balls but there were some scenarios where he just got outsized and 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 MVS is not going to be outsized in the same way uh so I think in that one specific aspect he fits that role now they got to find a host of other guys to to fill the other roles and and to elevate the entire room to pick up the slack for for Hill. But I like the signing on the surface. I'm not worried about the money. I think they they paid him as an ascending player who had a a strong market for his services. I feel like the league thinks highly of this guy and they think that there's more good to come out of him than what we've seen before. So I, I think I think he's at worst a better. Demarcus Robinson, you know, for that role, someone who can take a lot of snaps and can get deep, uh, get open deep, and maybe give you the 500 yards and four touchdown type performances in a season. Uh, at best, you know, he he's got some upside. He can do he can do more than that, uh, and and maybe he's just scratching the surface of of his career. So I I think he's somebody that that fits the room well and can bring that one aspect of what what Hill used to do. <laughs> 